one very well-known thing that we see by the Avos is all of the Avos do something with wells. So, for example, we see that Avram Avinu digs wells, Yitzchak Avinu, <laughs> Yitzchak Avinu unclogs the wells that were clogged up by the Plishtim, and in this week's parsha, Yaakov Avinu sees Rachel for the first time, and he throws off the rock from the well. There's an enormous boulder, and Yaakov Avinu on his own is able to take the boulder off of the well. So usually when it comes to a well, we talk about the shaduchim that happen by a well. Many shaduchim in the Torah come about by a well. For example, we know that Rivka meets Eliezer by the well. That's the shaduch for Yitzchak. We know that Rachel and Yaakov meet each other by a well. Even Sipporah and Moshe Rabbeinu meet each other by a well. So the idea of a well is somehow deeply connected to the idea of a shaduch which we're going to try to explore a little bit tonight. But what I want to focus on specifically is not just Shaduchim, but why is it that each one of the Avos seems to have a different relationship to the well? In other words, it's not an accident that Avram Avinu is the one that digs wells. It's not an accident that Yitzchak unclogs the wells. And it's not an accident that Yaakov removes the rock from on top of the well. These are three different ways of being, and we have to unpack what each one of these things mean. So we're going to be exploring tonight, just to be clear, two dimensions of a well. Number one, we're going to be exploring a well as it relates to the concept of Shaduchim. Number two, we're going to be exploring a well as it relates to the specific Midah of each one of the Avos, and how that Midah relates to Shaduchim. You understand? Clear? Okay. When we speak about a well, what is a well? What makes a well like such a powerful image? What did you say? Okay. Beautifully said. A well is different than a reservoir or a cistern, because a well seems to have an infinite amount of water inside of it. Now, of course, that's not true, because a well is not infinite. But when you find a wellspring, it seems like no matter how much water you take out of it, there's still more water in it. So what is a well? And this is, again, a little bit of a sophisticated idea, so see if you can hop this idea. I'll try to be as clear as possible. If you don't understand it, it's because I'm not being clear. It has nothing to do with you. It's a, it's a hard idea. If the, if the water itself represents an infinite God, right, an infinite amount of water can come out from the well, the well is the vehicle through which we discover that water and take it out. Does that make sense? In other words, the well stands in between you, the person, and the water itself. So it's like if the water represents Elokos, if the water represents Hashem, and I'm me, the person trying to connect to Hashem, what's the vehicle through which we connect to Hashem? That's the well. Does that make sense? Everyone clear on this idea? No. I'll say it again. It's not an easy idea. A wellspring, not the well itself, a wellspring is the infinite amount of water 
that exists, as opposed to a cistern or a reservoir that have a limited amount of water, when you find a wellspring, that wellspring seems to have an unlimited supply of water. The well is the vehicle through which I can bring that water up. Because the, the water itself is very deep, so you drill down to find that water. Then you put that well in place, and you pull the water up. So what stands in between me and the water is what? The well. What stands in between me and the water is the well. So I want to speak about three ways of relating to the well. Okay? Three ways of relating to the vehicle through which you get to the infinite. Okay? So we're not talking about the infinite. We're not talking about the water. We're talking about the well. How do I relate to that well? The first way of relating to this well is through Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the midah of chesed. Avram Avinu is the midah of love. What does this look like? First we're going to talk about it in terms of a relationship, and then we're going to move it back to Hashem. What is love? One talks about love. What is love? So you'll hear all these shmuzin to love is to give. You have to give in order to love. Loving is giving, right? You've heard these shmuzin before? It's a little bit deeper than that. I want to try to explain it in a little bit of a deeper way. Love means that there's a gap between me and somebody else. So love is the fuel that moves, that moves me across the space into the realm of another. So without love, right, let's say, and, and you'll see this for example, when do you need a fiery love? When do you see a passionate love? You see a passionate love when two people are very far apart in the beginning of a relationship. What do you see as a relationship continues? What do you see as a relationship continues to develop? The love moves from being fire to being like water. Why is that? Because in the beginning of a relationship, if you're over here and he's over here, what do you need? It's not your fault. What do you need in order to bridge the gap? You need the passionate love in order to bridge the gap between one person and another. If you have two people who just met each other and their love is deep, doesn't that sound a little bit strange? In the beginning of a relationship, it should be exciting, no? What's the excitement of the relationship doing? It's not an accident that you're excited. If you want to move from point A to point B, you need fuel. The fuel is that fiery love that moves you from one place to another. So if I want, this is how you relate to the well, not to the water. If you want to relate to somebody else, the first movement is the movement of love. So if, you're, people, if I'm in a relationship, girls say this all the time, I'm in a relationship, I'm dating somebody, I just don't feel anything for him. What's the problem with that? He's a great guy, we share all the same values. There's just no chemistry. What do we really mean when we say that? It means I feel stuck on this side of the aisle. I don't feel like I'm moving from point A to point B. In order to move from point A to point B, there needs to be fuel, there needs to be fire, there needs to be love. So the first well is the well of love. This is the way that Avram Avinu relates to the well. He says there's an infinite God, but I'm all the way over here. How do I bridge the gap between me and God? I love God. Now, I think everybody in the room intuitively understands what I just said, but I want to say it in a little bit of a different word. How many people in the room 
have said to themselves, just raise your hand, how many people have said to themselves, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't feel anything. I'm davening, but I just don't feel anything. You ever say something like that? I'm learning, but it's just not speaking to my soul. That's the same exact thing as saying, I'm dating a guy, he's interesting, but I don't feel anything. You hear that point? Is, you ever go to a shear that was interesting, but it doesn't move you? It's like it was interesting. It was an interesting concept. The Rebbe said an interesting concept. The teacher said something I had never heard before. What leaves us feeling depressed, what leaves us feeling depressed is, I heard it, but I'm not passionate about it. I said the words of davening, but I'm not passionate. What you're really saying is, the gap between me and Hashem is too far. And I don't want to serve Hashem this way anymore. It's like imagine if you had a couple that just doesn't feel anything about each other anymore. How sad is that? That's what we mean when we say, I, I just want to love Hashem. The beginning of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to be love. How many of you came here this year, I know it sounds like a cliche thing, to fall in love with their Judaism? How many came this year? I just want to be more passionate about it. If you wanted to have an intellectual pursuit of Judaism, you probably could have gone to another seminary, no? Why'd you come here? Because I want the classes that are going to inspire me. I want to have the teachers that I'm going to build a connection with. That's Avram Avinu, and it's the first stage of every single relationship. Stage one of our relationship with Hashem has to be, I'm learning how to love Hashem. I know there's an infinite God, I know that I'm here, but I need my well to be love. Otherwise, I have no access to that water. Does that make sense? So far, so good? Questions, comments, reactions, we're all on the same page? Okay. Let's say you achieve that love. Are you done? No. Why not? I bridged the gap between me and the guy that I'm, that I'm, let's say, dating or married to. So what's the problem? So problem number two is like this. And this happens very often. Couple dated. They get married. First couple years of marriage are great. And then they slip into the day-to-day life of every relationship. So when a couple goes out to eat after 10 years, what's the only thing they talk about? The kids. What they talk about when they were dating. Ask a couple 10, 20 years into your marriage, what did you speak about when you were dating? You didn't speak about your kids. You didn't speak about your job. What did you talk about? It's an amazing thing that happens. Relationships are like flowers. If you tend to them, if you water them, if you garden them, they'll grow. But there's a gravitational pull to every single relationship. A couple starts off, they're dating, they're on fire for each other, it's amazing, it's beautiful, they get married. The way that they look at each other under the chuppah, ah, delicious. Except all the married couples in the audience are going like this. Give them time. How sad is that, that we become... Um, cynical about relationships. Why do you think people are cynical about relationships? It's because relationships have a gravitational pull. If you don't invest in the relationship, the relationship will naturally deteriorate. What happens to a well? A person digs a well, they dig deep, they find all the water in the world. Then what happens? Naturally, the well starts to decay. 
You ever see that? You ever see like over time the the sand will start pouring in, right? And then all of a sudden it becomes that much difficult to find the water. Did the water disappear? What changed? Right. Meaning, what a couple does in the beginning of their relationship is they bridge the gap. The step two of every relationship is making sure that the well itself remains clean. How do we do that? How do we make sure that the well itself remains clean? So I want to share with you an amazing story. A friend of mine, a couple of years ago, went through something in his life, and he decided that he no longer wanted to be an observant Jew. He didn't want to keep Shabbos, he didn't want to learn Torah, he didn't want to wear tzitzis, he wasn't interested in Yiddishkeit, to say the least. And he's married with a couple of kids, living in Eretz Yisrael, and he's like, up until that point, he was the guy who was learning, who was davening, who was a pillar of the community, and all of a sudden, literally, one day to the next, he was like a completely different person. It was a whole story, it was a whole wild story, but somebody convinced him to go to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. They said, look, you're heading in a certain direction, why don't you come with me to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, to go to visit the Tzion of Rabbi Nachman Mibreslov. So he went, to, he went to Rabbi Nachman, he came back from Uman on fire. He came back from Uman, he was like a changed person. Davening, learning, saying Tikkun Klali, saying Tehillim, he was a changed person. I asked him, what saved your marriage? Do you know how hard it must have been for his wife to watch her husband not keeping Shabbos? This is not a joke. Imagine if it was your dad. You have a frum father, chas v'shalom. Imagine with your dad, you have a frum father, a stable family, and then all of a sudden your father stops keeping Shabbos. All of a sudden your father starts smoking up. All of a sudden your father stops learning. All of a sudden your father stops wearing tzitzis. All of a sudden he was dressing in one way, and now he's dressing in a completely different way. It'd probably be very disconcerting, right? If you were a child, think about it, what it's like to be that guy's wife. So I said to him, as a good friend of mine, I said to him, how do you manage in your marriage? So listen what he told me, it's an unbelievable thing. His father-in-law gave him a piece of advice. His father-in-law said, when he was engaged, he said, I want you, he said, you don't have to do this, but I want to give you a piece of advice. Every single week, please take your wife out to eat. Please take my daughter out to eat. He said, how, and it has to be out to eat. Don't go for a walk, because if you say we're going to go for a walk, you're not going to do it. Have a standing place that you go every single week. So he had a thing, every single Thursday night, they would go out to eat. At different restaurants, sometimes it was pizza, sometimes it was Chinese, sometimes it was flesh. doesn't matter, yeah? His father-in-law said to him as follows, he goes, what's it going to cost you to go out to eat? 50 bucks maximum? Yeah? With a babysitter, maybe it's 75? He said, if you think about the money, it's not that much money. You're talking about sachakol, $300 a month. If it's $75 a week, you're talking about $300 a month, right? $300 a month means you're spending $3,600 a year. Listen to this line that his, his father-in-law said to him. He said, $300 a month, $3,600 a year is a lot cheaper than going to marriage therapy, and it's a lot cheaper than divorce. Now, his father-in-law, being a good guy, his father-in-law said, I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to pay for the first year. $3,600 on me. After that, it's on you. So his father-in-law gave him a gift. This is to go out to eat every single week. The guy told me they did it. He was a game changer, and they never missed a week. After the first year of marriage, he took it on himself. 
After all, it's 75 bucks. Who doesn't have time? Who can't make time for an hour or two hours a week to go out with their wife? He did it for 15 years. And then he went off the derech. I asked him, how'd your marriage survive? You know what he said? We went out to eat every single week for the last 15 years. He said, when we were living in America, we went out Thursday nights. When we moved to Eretz Yisrael, we went out Sunday nights. Going out to eat saved my marriage. Because my marriage was so strong that even though I fell apart, my wife was with me 100%. Stage two of every marriage is called Yira. Yira doesn't mean fear. You know what Yira means? Yira means keeping the marriage intact. It means I don't want to bring anything into the marriage that's going to decay the marriage. So step one of the relationship is bridging the gap. Step two is making sure the pipeline is clean. How do you make sure the pipeline is clean? Don't do things that are going to decay the marriage. What are the things you can think of right now? There's people in the room that are struggling with this right now. What do you think are things that in a marriage will decay the marriage? I'll give you an example. You want to hear something that's going to... You want to see? I'll show you visually. You want to see something that's going to decay your marriage? If you're talking to your husband and he's doing this. I'm listening to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why does being on your phone decay your marriage? After all, isn't he present in the room with you? You're in the same room, but you're not in the same room. You've brought something into the relationship that's decaying the relationship. Do you understand? People think it's obvious. We're married. It's good to go now, right? You can't be married and just let the marriage atrophy. If you don't have what's called yira, then you don't have healthy boundaries for the relationship. What does it look like to pay attention to somebody when they're talking to you? It's eye contact, right? I want you to know there's a gift that every one of you can give to me right now. It's not just to me, it's to every one of your teachers. Every one of your teachers gets up here and we're speaking to you. And girls, I did this also when I was in high school, I don't blame you at all. But girls do this. They think, the Rebbe is not speaking to me, he's speaking to the group. He's speaking to the class. But the truth is, I'm not speaking to the class. I'm speaking to a whole group of girls. Do you want to hear the difference? What it looks like? I know you girls are sitting on that end. Do you want to see what it looks like to me? This is what it looks like to me. There are some girls that are like this when I'm speaking. They're like, you know what you do when you nod your head? You're letting me know you're present in the relationship. And I'm just a Rebbe. What would you want your kids to feel when you're talking to them or when they're talking to you? You want your kids to feel... I'm here. I'm in the relationship. You know that famous story of the little girl that's tucking on her mother's skirt and the mother is washing dishes and the girl's going, Mommy, Mommy, pay attention to me. And the mother's going, I am paying attention to you, but she's washing dishes. And the, mother, and the kid goes, No, Mommy, Mommy, pay attention to me. I am paying attention to you. Mommy, Mommy, pay attention to me with your eyes. If you're not paying attention with your eyes, you're bringing something else into the relationship. Gvura means having healthy boundaries in the relationship. If you bring outside things into the relationship, you're not present in the relationship. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with Hashem. Let's say you come this year to Sharfman's, and let's say you're passionate, you're on fire about your Yiddishkeit. You heard amazing shirum, you saw, you went to your teacher's houses, you saw amazing people, and you really started thinking differently about your Yiddishkeit. You want to know the difference between the girls that make it not, and this is like one of the famous things about Sharfman's, I heard this, you'll tell me if you heard this also, girls who come to Sharfman's, when they make a move, the move lasts. Have you ever heard that before about Sharfman's? That when a girl in Sharfman's 
really gets into it in Sharfman's, it lasts for 10, 20, 30 years. They raise their kids differently. That's what I, that's the, you should know, that's Sharfman's reputation. You want to know the difference? The difference is, some girls get inspired in seminary, and they fall in love. Some girls get inspired in seminary, and they make decisions how to structure their Yiddishkeit. Who are my friends after I leave seminary? What are the places that I will go? What are the places that I won't go? What are the things I'm willing to do? What are the things I'm not willing to do? What are the relationships that I will participate in? The relationships I won't participate in. You understand? It's, it's, a, it's not a small deal. A lot of times a girl comes to seminary and they go, yeah, it was like a seminary bubble thing, but it didn't last. You know why it didn't last? It didn't last because when you were here, you fell in love, but you never kept the structure of the well intact. Hashem is there. You're over here. You bridge the gap. But what happens? And people like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not so into it anymore. It didn't happen that people just fall out of love. That's not true. You know what happens? People bring external things into the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, you hear it? Clear? Before I move on to the third one, because that's the main one I want to get to in this week's Pasha. Questions, comments, reactions? Everyone understands? Correct. It's one thing that you fell in love when you were dating. Now you actually have to be married. Yitzchak's thing is gvura, boundaries, structure. That's Yitzchak. So Yitzchak, when the plishtim came and they filled up the hole that Avram Avinu had dug, Yitzchak removes all the impediments to entrance. He, he, he reveals the well as Avram Avinu dug it. But all of those things are not the things that I wanted to talk about. All those things are just a precursor to what I want to talk to you about today. And that's the main thing. The hardest thing in the world is when you see a couple and that couple has fallen out of love with each other. The most painful thing in the world is when you see a girl and she comes from a good family and everything, everything is there for her, right? And there was a time in her life when she was passionate and she even worked hard to create the structure but there's such a thing as I just feel blocked. You ever have that in a relationship where there's this blockage and you have no idea what it is? The well itself is clean. The well itself is open. The well has been dug. The love is there. I just don't know what's going on. I think for most of us, this is what our Yiddishkeit is. Some people are sitting here going, I have to fall in love with Hashem. It's not true. It's not true. You already had Avram Avinu moments in your life. Some people say, I have to rebuild the structure. I know. If you're doing certain things out there, you know, uh, there's a Rebbe in Yeshiva, he has a great line, he tells the guys, if you go to sleep like a pig, you're not going to wake up like a lion. You know what that means? If you're doing certain things at night, v'hamevin yeah, there's, there's certain places that people go, certain funny places, no? Like, Certain funny places. Yeah, um, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Certain funny places. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Everyone knows. If you're going there, so then the well is not clean. That's not what I'm talking about. There are girls that are not going to those places. And still they feel blocked. What is that? You understand the problem? How many of us identify with that? How many people feel like, I don't know, there's just some blockage. I don't know what it is. There's some blockage. I'm not a bad girl. There's, I'm just, there's some blockage. This is Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu comes and there's a giant boulder on the well. And there's Rachel Imenu. And somehow, 
he's able to just lift the boulder off the well and throw it off, even though it would normally take a tremendous amount of people. What is the pshat? So I want to share with you, this is the deepest pshat. In truth, you don't need the well. In truth, everything you need is already there. Yaakov Avinu is the midah of emes, right? If Avram Avinu is the midah of love, if Yitzchak is the midah of gvura, Yaakov is the midah of teferes. Yaakov Avinu is the midah of emes. Yaakov is truth. When a person lives with truth, they know, I already have a relationship with Hashem. The only thing I need to be able to do is unplug it. I'll give you an example of what this looks like. We had a boy in yeshiva many years ago. I don't know if I told you the story. I told you the story, guy with a big jufro? Yeah. The same year as him. There was a guy in yeshiva that he was always on the verge of greatness. He was from the same... I don't want to give too many details away, but he was from the same universe as this other guy. But whereas the guy with the big fro... What he needed was just to see that learning was awesome. This guy, somehow, just he would he would come out of a shear and he would go like, "I get it. It's just it's not speaking to me. It's it's I get what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying, but it was intellectual. So some rebbeim said, "Yeah, but you like maybe you need to learn chassidus because maybe it'll help you fall in love with Hashem." He learned chassidus. He's like, "No, it's not doing it for me." Some rebbeim said, "Look, you're doing all these other things, so it's blocking the well." It wasn't that either. He had this just blockage. And sometimes a person needs to just become like accessing the truth, knowing that that blockage is his to take off and he's capable of taking it off, but it's his to throw off. So for this guy, I'll never forget this, for this guy at some point he was sitting in my office and he burst out crying. And he said, I'm so sick of this. I've been in yeshiva for five months already. I'm trying. I just can't do it. And he mamish broke down crying. It was the saddest thing in the world. And I'm sitting with him and I'm saying to him, you should know HaKadosh Baruch Hu mamish loves all the work that you put in. And I saw, I wasn't moving the guy at all. There was nothing that I was doing. Nothing that I said was penetrating. You ever have a conversation like that with a Rebbe where like, it doesn't matter what the Rebbe says. It's just like, it just like won't go in. There was nothing that I could say to the guy. So eventually I just, I was quiet. And the guy was crying and crying and crying. And eventually he just left the office. And after that, I can't tell you what it was, but after that something changed. What changed? What was it? I spent a long time thinking about this. What was it? You know what it was? Everybody else was trying to get him to throw off the stone from on the well. But only he could throw the stone off from the well. He had to come to the recognition, this is my truth. You understand? If it's your teacher's truth, can you throw the stone off the well? If your teacher comes to you and gives you the most amazing shear, can you throw the stone off the well? You can't. I'll tell you, it, it, I, I teach in a, in a different seminary, and one of the girls once told me, I'm, I'm not coming to your shear anymore. She said, I'm done coming to your shear, I dropped out of the class. I said, okay, it's like a strange thing to tell me, like, just drop out, like, why do you have to come tell me? She said, I want to tell you why I'm dropping out of your class. I said, why? She goes, I come to the shear, and I really like it, and I'm a Kabbalah on myself, I'm not going out after the shear. She's like, I never, I never do it. I never, 
She's like, I'm, I say, while I'm in the shear, do not go out tonight. Inevitably, what did she do every single Wednesday night after the shear? She went out. She said the shear was creating so much guilt that she didn't want to come anymore. She said, because you're telling me don't go, and I'm saying, yeah, I don't want to go, and then I'm going anyway. She said, it's too much guilt for me, I'm not coming to the shear anymore. I understand where she's coming from. When does a person change? Only when they want to. Only when it becomes their truth. But once it becomes their truth, then it's unstoppable. Imagine what it's like. You ever, you ever meet someone, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. Now I'll say it, yeah? You ever meet somebody that you go, maybe I could marry them? <laughs> Too often? First of all, I love that honesty. And second of all, what an amazing line, right? Like, you meet people and you're like, I can marry you. <laughs> it's like an amazing thing to think about a person. You, you must, you must, you, I don't know, deranged. You must be a person who's like uh, very open to the possibility of relationships. We'll say it that way. When you meet somebody and, and somewhere in the back of your head you go like this, you go, maybe. Isn't there something very exciting about that? Right? How many times, how many times do guys come over to me afterwards and they're like, Okay, so I know I shouldn't be in a relationship this year because I know I'm not ready. But the thing is, yeah, I met this girl and I'm thinking like, Rebbe, this could be it. I'm like, what? Like, what, what could be it? They're like, was that? Oh, guys for sure do it too. Guys for sure do it too. I know, I know, I know the girls think that the guys are like, the, the guys do it. It's different though. I'll tell you what's different about it. The way that the guys and girls speak about it is very different. Because a guy comes in and he goes, I met a girl and I think maybe. That's the whole conversation. A girl comes in three hours later, she's unpacked every single possibility in the relationship, even they only, they only met for half an hour. And then we were also at a friend's house together. But I saw the way he was with his friends. But I'm not sure if that relates to like the way that I relate, but it was definitely fun to watch him. right? And it's like a whole conversation. With the guys, it's like, I know I shouldn't, but maybe. That's the whole conversation. What's the, what's the power of meeting somebody and going, maybe? It's MS. When you meet somebody and you go, maybe that's my person, the truth of that relationship is, is very powerful. You want to know when you find out the real truth of a relationship? It's not when you're dating. The real truth of the relationship is not when you're dating. And the real truth of the relationship is not when you're creating boundaries so that the relationship can exist. The real truth of the relationship is when you find each other in the dark. That's the real truth of the relationship. The most powerful moment in a relationship is we've mamish been fighting, we haven't been seeing eye to eye, we've been, we've been like so distant from each other for so long, but somehow we just keep finding each other. It's an amazing midah. You know what that midah is? It's the midah of MS. You know what it's like? You know how powerful it is when a couple finds each other in the dark and they're like, you, it's you. You say to them, why? Why is it her? She's making you so miserable. Why is it him? You're so miserable with him. You know, you know what they say? I don't want anyone else to make me miserable. It's the MS. The MS is it's so powerful. They don't need love. They don't need love. And they don't need boundaries. You know what they need? They need the truth of the relationship. The truth of the relationship is the most powerful thing. Where do we see the Midah of MS? By Yaakov Avinu. So listen to this. Chazal say, Afal Yisraelhu. Even though a Jew doesn't have error. Which have error are we talking about, by the way? 
Even though you sinned, you're still a Yisrael. What, what Avera are we talking about? Any Avera. What if it's the worst possible Avera? Why doesn't it say Why does it say Because the Midah of Emes tells us that even when a relationship is so deteriorated that a person is mamish so far from Hashem, the Midah of Emes says, but they're still a Jew. In a relationship, it's not enough to have love and it's not enough to have boundaries. You know what you need to know? I am yours forever. You know, today it's very popular not to get married. In the secular world, they don't get married anymore. You know what they do? So we'll live together. What happens if you don't want to live together anymore? What do they say? Then we won't live together. What's missing? What's missing is commitment. Girls, intimacy should not occur. I don't mean physical. I mean the creation of oneness. Intimacy should not occur without commitment. That's why dating for a very long time is a very bad idea. Dating is building a relationship. I should not be building a relationship with you unless there's a commitment. What does a commitment mean? A commitment means I am yours. What does it mean I'm yours? I'm yours when things are good? I am yours even when things are not going so well. To be a Jew today in 2023, and this is what we do right before Mashiach comes, to be a Jew means to be a person of loyalty. Today, it's very in vogue thing. I was once walking with a boy in Los Angeles. I was walking down Pico. Who's from LA here? Yeah, I was walking with a boy down Pico, and he says to me, and he was very proud of this, and he wasn't Sephardi, you could tell. I could see it in his face. The, um, this boy wasn't Sephardi boy. We're walking down Pico, and he goes, I'm coming to Eretz Yisrael because I'm not going to do anything unless I understand why. Doesn't that sound like, like at 17 years old, it sounds like a very good thing to say, no? But if you think about it, right, I knew that kid would never be Sephardi, because what would a Sephardi kid say? A Sephardi kid would say, yeah, of course I know what the right thing to do is. You know why? Because my mother told me. How does a Sephardi kid know that there's a God? Because his Moroccan mother told him that there's a God. And if he would tell his Moroccan mother, I don't think there's a God, what would his Moroccan mother do? The recording can't hear it, but it's... the For those who know, you know, right? You know Rabbi Safran's line? Rabbi Safran says, my mother's Moroccan, my father's Chabad. You know what that makes me? Abused. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines. There's such a thing called emuna. Emuna means, I don't necessarily understand why. Of course I want to learn why, but I'm loyal to this relationship. In Yemosa Mashiach, you know what the most important thing is? The most important thing is not being cerebral about the relationship. The most important thing is participating in a relationship. And you know this. What if your husband said to you, what if, what if you, you know, your husband said to you, said like, I don't feel like you love me. The husband goes, I love you. I said I love you all the time. He goes, yeah, but I asked you to take out the garbage last night. What are you really saying when you say that? Don't tell me that you love me. What does love mean? Love means that you're loyal. Love means that I can count on you. Love means I'm a person and you're a person and we're participating in a relationship. If you don't have all three of these things, the relationship is fundamentally flawed. If you marry somebody and you don't love them, then you're always going to be over here and he's going to be over here and that's not a relationship.
If you love somebody but you don't invest in the boundaries of the relationship, the relationship will naturally decay. But even if you have the best boundaries in the world, and even if the relationship itself has so much love, you still have to be able to know the truth of the relationship. And the truth of the relationship is that this relationship is forever. Nothing can stop up the relationship. I'm able to pull the plug off when I know the truth of the relationship. That's what Yaakov Avinu does. This isn't a flashy thing to say. Most girls walking out of here tonight will not be inspired. Most girls will not, yeah, I want to be in love with Hashem. That's an inspirational thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that I have boundaries set up. I'm going to make sure that I choose the right things when I leave Sharfman's. That's, a, that's, that's an exciting thing to hear. But nobody wants to hear the truth of this relationship. The truth of this relationship is our relationship with Hashem cannot be deteriorated in any way. And even if you feel so distant from Hashem, the truth is that we've never been distant from Hashem. Does that make sense? Girls, I want to wish you a beautiful Shabbos, but I just want to say one thing. I'm watching you girls. I want you to know it's very different coming here in September, and it's very different coming here in October, and now, Baruch Hashem, we're already in November. I'm seeing, I'm only here once a week, so I could see it. I'm seeing that there are girls showing up with more attention, with more growth. You could see it. There's people here that are real. There's people that are very real in this room. It's very impressive to watch. The biggest move that you can make is to say whether I'm in or whether I'm not in, I'm in. Whether I feel like I want to be here with Hashem or I feel like I don't want to be here with Hashem, the truth of this relationship means I'm always going to be loyal to the relationship. You hear? You girls are ready to hear this. You've taken big steps already. And Be'ez Hashem, we're going to see you take many more.